The theme today for these catechisms would be the law, or the covenant, or what is it that is expected of human beings um, since the day we were created. Who wants to read that first question for us? What covenant did God give man when he created him? Okay, so... And this, this isn't how the question actually read in the catechism. The language was far more archaic, so I just kind of <laughs> um, modernized it a little bit. Uh, what covenant did God give man when he created him? Let's read the answer together. When God created man, he entered into a covenant of life with him upon condition of perfect obedience forbidding him to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil upon the pain of death. Now, if somebody could read Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17 for that, for us. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. Okay, so you had one rule. (laughs) You had one job, right? Well, really, their job was to just tend to the land. But they had one law. Don't eat of that one tree, okay? You can eat of everything else in the garden. Just don't eat of that one, okay? Because if you eat of that one, you're going to die. Now, the implication of this covenant would be if you don't eat of that one, what then? If you obey, what then? You live. You live. (laughs) Yeah, you will not experience death. You will not taste death. The sting of death will never even come into your vocabulary. You won't even know what that is. Don't eat of that one tree. Now, did they obey that law? No, they didn't obey that law. The one law, the one rule. Howbeit, Satan is a very very shrewd deceiver. Came to Eve in the form of a serpent. Adam fell along with her. And we were all plunged into sin and death, were we not? Just because of Adam and Eve. They didn't keep that one law. Um, Unless we get a a big head about ourselves, haven't we been deceived plenty of times in our lives? Um, Yeah, Eve may have been deceived. But remember, like I said before, Satan is a shrewd tempter. He knows how to get people to fall. And you fell. Um, and here we are. <laughs> you know, something, and I don't know if the rest of you remember, that we talked about that if Adam had been the only one to eat, and since sin comes through the father, the man, that Eve, would, if she never would have sinned, I mean, would still be alive. And everybody else would have died because of sin. But if Eve had been the only one to have eaten, others would have lived and she would have... I mean, it's just kind of an interesting thing. It is interesting, yeah. I do wonder how all of that would have (laughs) played out. It's an an interesting thought to think about. Yeah. Yeah, but as we see it in human history, they both did fall. (laughs) And... uh, I don't know how it would have all played out if only one of them would have sinned or if, you know, either or or how things would have played out. Um, I don't know how that would have worked out. In God's wisdom, he would have figured that all out. (laughs) 
uh, he would have known about it happening from the foundations of the earth. And doubtless, he is the same loving God, and he would have still made a way of sacrifice, a way of redemption for those who were of the fallen line. Uh, but we see both of them did fall, and we are all paying for that. We are all in, in sin. Not yeah, Adam and Eve, yeah, they, did the, they committed the first sin, right? And plunged us all into sin and death. But we all are also responsible for our own sin, are we not? Um, but more on that in a little bit. The second question. Who wants to read that one to us? What does the law of God require? What does the law of God require? Okay, so without reading the answer, how would you answer that question? Obedience. Obedience. Okay, simple. Knowing. What? Knowing? You'd have to know the law. Know the law. Okay, so you'd have to know the law. I think of perfection. Perfection. Obedience. So that would be a, an adjective to obedience. Perfect. Obedience. Yep. Anything else you want to add to that? A lot of work. A lot of work? <laughs> yeah. A lot of work to try to obey that law. If you've ever read the law and all of its statutes and all of its do's and don'ts, it would, all, it, would be every, it would be all that you'd ever think about, right? Well, it would also probably feed into pride. Yeah. It's like, look what I did. And then you've sinned okay. because you were proud. Okay. <laughs> 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 right? <laughs> in, which, in which that kind of directly ties to that last question, but we'll get to that last question after we discuss the second question. So what does the law of God require? Let's read the answer together. Personal... Perfect and perpetual obedience, that we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. What God forbids should never be done, and what God commands should always be done. Okay? What are some things that you can think of? Uh, what are some, God's, some of God's law, some of God's rules, some of God's expectations that are hard? <laughs> Because you see here, personal, perfect, perpetual obedience, okay? I mean, here are just a few categories. Well, I don't know if they're categories, if that's the right word or not. But that we love God with all of our heart, okay? All of our heart. I mean, okay, so giving your heart a little bit. But all of our heart. All of our soul. All of our mind. All of our strength or our might. Love our neighbor just as we love ourselves. I mean, that might, I mean, that, that part, I mean, it's a little more abstract when you're talking about loving God, but when you think about loving your neighbor, I mean, that, you have to put, I mean, you can think of immediate things that, you know, you're interacting with your neighbors, and they're not exactly the nicest people, not you know, even your immediate neighbors, but your family members, your, your, your spouse, <laughs> your children, your community, your church members, and how hard people can be. What God forbids should never be done, and what God commands should always be done? What are some of those things? Okay, so what God forbids should never be done. What are some of the things that come to, be, come to mind? Have any other gods besides Yeah, don't have any other gods besides Him. Lying, stealing, all the Ten Commandments. Yeah, all the Ten Commandments, yeah. And those Ten Commandments cover a lot of bases, don't they? <laughs> if you were to look at them categorically. Wanting a kid goat in his mother's milk. Okay. 
I've never done that. <laughs> that I know of anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's true. Okay. Anything else you can think of that, okay, so if God says it should never be done, well, what's something that you should never do? Never use the name of the Lord God in vain. And that doesn't just mean swear. Don't swear. Don't, don't use God's name as a swear word. Don't ever, use, don't ever talk about Him in a useless manner, in a disrespectful way, or flippantly. Don't portray Him in a joking manner. Don't talk about things of the Lord as common. I mean, that's stuff that is far more common, even in our church. Even as I'm preaching, sometimes, you know, to try to make, you know, sometimes I want to make a joke or something. I've got to be careful <laughs> that I'm not telling a joke in a way that is being lighthearted about the nature of God, the name of God. Or talking about God in a way to draw attention to yourself. Like, oh, if I... If I talk spiritually enough, people will think highly of me. Well, that's taking the Lord's God, Lord God's name in vain because you're using it for your own self. You're using it as just a common tool to build your own image. You're using His name to further your name. That's taking the Lord's name in vain. See, it's not just swearing. What else? Anything else come to your mind? Right. You're right. There's a, the law says that if you see your neighbor's ox or whatever out wandering around or stuck in the, stuck in the mud, you've got to take that back to your neighbor. <laughs> if you don't, you owe him one of yours. Or maybe, more, maybe two. I can't remember if it was double. So, I mean, that's... Okay, so that was... That's something that actually probably happens from time to time around here. But it also is categorical in the sense that if you see your neighbor in need, you need to help him. That's the heart of God on display in that command. The heart of God saying, you see something that you could do for your neighbor, and you have a way to provide for it, then you need to provide for it. That's a categorical law. It's, it's, it's a picture of the mercy of God. It's a picture of of the benevolence and the generosity of God. Is that your oxen? No, it's not my oxen. It's, he needs to take better care of his stuff. It's his problem that it got lost. He needs to, take, he needs to mend those fences. He's always letting his, his farm go and get in, go, grow in disarray. <laughs> you know? But no, that's, that's, that's not what the Lord says. I mean, there's plenty of proverbs about sloth and that your neighbor needs to obey those proverbs. Take heed to those proverbs, but the law for you is: you see your neighbor in need, you need to help him. If you have the means by which you can help him, I mean that's a general rule that shows God's character, and that's a way that we can display God in the community. What are some ways that you can apply that to not just cows? Yeah. They get lonely. 
Sometimes that's emotional and not just physical. Yeah. Just taking your time. Yeah. Yep. If you know somebody's having a hard time, you can pray with them. Anything else you can think of? Well, the fact that it's really hard for us to think of real examples means we're probably breaking this law on a regular basis. <laughs> because if we, could, if we were actually doing it, then we'd have examples, right? You know, when was the last time we stopped on the side of a road to help somebody who had a broken down car? And you had jumper cables <laughs> or a can of gas. When was the last time we were behind somebody in the, in the shopping line and they didn't have enough money to cover their tab and you just said, here, I'll, I'll cover the rest? No problem. I got it. That's the character of God on display. And that's something that was, that was the intention behind, beside, behind this law that Kirk brought up. That when you see somebody in need and you have the means to provide for that need, provide for that need. The Lord's going to take care of you. You don't have to worry about you. The Lord's going to take care of you. But right now, the Lord wants you to take care of them. But do we keep that all the time? How many times do we see somebody in need and we just pass by? We're not the Good Samaritan. I mean, the Good Samaritan is a story of that on display. If we start telling you examples, it will sound like we're breaking Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, ever, Fair enough. I mean, when you say that, do you ever wonder that if God had that person broke down on the side of the road just to, just to be like, well, what are you going to yeah. do, child? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. I mean, there was a time when. You know, and I'm not bragging. I'm just just to illustrate. There was a time where I saw a lady. It was pouring down rain. This is when I still lived in the Chicago suburbs. It was pouring down rain, and I was driving to go do. I don't remember where I was driving to. And then, you know, I was just pricked by the spirit. Go give that lady a ride to wherever she needs to go. I turned around, and it was just this. It was an open road. I mean, there's nowhere she could have gone. I turned around, and she was gone. She just vanished. You know. So just sometimes I wonder if opportunities like that are thrown in front of us to just test us, to see if we will show the character of God and follow the leading of the Spirit. You know? But anyway, moving on. What are some things that should always be done that perhaps we might have a problem doing? And I, just, and I want you guys, okay, understand this. I know that you guys aren't perfect. We all know that we're not perfect. We can be open and honest with each other, okay? We know that what you do right doesn't make you perfect, okay? So feel free to offer, you know? I've, done pl- I've failed more of these things that I, you know, than, than I've done right, <laughs> I would suppose. Yep. Right. Confess your sins to each other. Right. James does tell us that. Right. We're supposed to be open and honest with each other. What are some things that God says we should always be doing, but maybe we don't? 
brethren. Love the brethren. Yeah. Which, which, you know, the whole yeah. Is there somebody right now that you're harboring resentment against? Bitterness. There's just that thing. Ugh. Won't they just change? <laughs> and it's building resentment in your heart against that person. Maybe it's your own spouse. <laughs> Yeah. want to know, because it's about this, when it says, to the point of laying down your life for someone. <coughs> what does that mean? Our love should be boundless. I mean, that's essentially... A spiritual. <coughs> spiritual love. Yeah. 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 Our love should be boundless. Our benevolence, our generosity, what we are willing to lay aside for the good of another should be boundless. I mean, I preach a lot about how nothing in this world should really matter to us compared to the world that is to come. So we should be glad to lay, our side, to lay ourselves aside so that we can do the will of God. Anything, nothing should be ours. Nothing should be our treasure except for Jesus Christ. There's nothing that we shouldn't be willing to lay aside for the good of another person. So, even to the point of death, that's just showing us that we don't hold our life as our own. If the Lord would have us lay up our life, it's His for us to, to command. Our love should be boundless. We hold nothing as our own, not even our life. You were going to say something? No? Okay. Love your neighbor. Okay. Love your neighbor. Right. Okay. We should always be doing Right. Yep. Yeah. Be thankful in all things. But you have a lot of people, and the question I always have is a little bit, is you've got people standing in the corner uh, asking for money. Yeah. Yeah. And you've been in Chicago, Mm -hmm. all the cities, there's people living on the streets. Right. You can't support them all. Yeah. You can't support them all, but you can do a little, you know. And that's, the, and that's you know, you do what you can. And there are people who I have met who have just made the covenant with their own pocketbook that they will always carry cash. So if they run across somebody who needs some, they have it to give. Because that's a problem. Like, I don't have any cash in my wallet. I have all these cards, you know. It's kind of hard. Oh, here's my debit card. Only spend 20 and then mail it back to me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> We're not going to do that, right? Maybe we could. I don't know. <laughs> Boundless. But there are people that I know who have just said, you know what, I'm always going to keep some money in my pocket so that I have something to give. Well, that example I was, where was I yesterday? Somewhere, this guy had a sign out. Will not use for crack. Mm-hmm. And the teaching that I have got yep. or run across is that it is our job to fulfill the need and to reach out and give. Yeah. What God does with that money, or and that doesn't, mm-hmm. whatever that person does, it doesn't matter. It's that yeah. you are obeying God and right. what He asks you to do. Right. And yeah, it would be nice if He didn't, but you know, He still. You just have to trust God with the giving. Yeah. Well, yeah, I hope you don't use for crack. <laughs> right, right. Yep. But like, you know, and I 
I'm doing this because God, my father, asked me to. Right. Not because you're really in need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've heard some sermons on this, you know, as well, because, I mean, it's the same thing. I don't know them. I don't know if this is for real. Yeah. If I knew it was for real, I'd have no problem. So, mm-hmm. so I'm speaking for it or not, but we try to give to, you know, like if there's been a hurricane or Samaritan's Purse to organizations that are out there meeting the needs of mm-hmm. people that have needs that need to be met, um, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Or when we were in school and we knew that there were kids that, you know, didn't have shoes or yeah. didn't have different things and, right. you know, could could donate to that and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, in James it also says, if you have the world's goods and you see your brother in need, yet you shut up your heart against them, how can the love of God abide in you? This is the love of God on display, okay? Not the love of you, per se. This is the love of God on display. We are the manifestation of God's love on this planet because Jesus has been resurrected. The Spirit has been put within us to display not yourself and your giftedness, to display God. So I do think you can give in different ways. You can, for sure. There are, I mean, there's a multitude of needs out there. (laughs) Multitude of needs. And we should be doing what we can to help those in need. Because that's the Lord's love. I mean, he did it in a grand way that we can't compare to. But as the love of God grows within our hearts, we see the needs. And we have compassion. We have mercy. And we cannot quench that. We cannot quench the Spirit if he wants to show his mercy and generosity through us. When I like greater, better opportunities come when you have personal contact. Somebody standing on the corner like, I don't know, that's questionable whether you know what you're doing there or not yeah. for the Lord. But like I used to pick up a lot of hitchhikers and, and I know some of those really had drastic needs others maybe not so much. Mm-hmm. But I picked up a man and his wife one day after the highway patrol and checked them out. My first thought was that may be Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I picked them up, and uh, she was six months pregnant. It was a hot old day. She hadn't had a drink of water. <laughs> this was after school, so it was late afternoon. Their last name was Schultz. <laughs> same as ours, which is a very Yeah. Anyway, ended up, uh, they had a great needs. Yeah. And the mission wouldn't help them in Topeka because they hadn't been there in town long enough. Yeah. Which I thought was crazy. A woman six months pregnant, and I helped her. Right. I took her to the bus stop and gave her some money. And bought a meal and so on. Yeah. They felt like they could handle it. Yeah. Yep. When we see the need, when we're aware of the need, we shouldn't just automatically shut up our heart against it. You know, the Spirit can lead us in all sorts of different ways and opportunities and things like that. But the important thing is that you're not shutting down love, that you're not shutting down mercy and compassion. And we, I think that we can tell when we're doing that. Don't justify yourself. <laughs> if, you, if the Spirit wants you to show mercy and compassion, show mercy and compassion, lest you find yourself warring against the Spirit. That's, I mean, I think that that's the overall theme of that, 
don't battle the Spirit, because if the Spirit speaks, He plans on providing a way for you to help this person. If God is swelling His compassion within you, obey Him. Walk in His way. Walk in His footsteps. I'd love to be able to look at some of these passages, but you're going to have to look at them on your own. Just look at the last question. Can anyone keep the law of God perfectly? What's the answer? Okay, you can answer this in one word. No. No. Well, Jesus. (laughs) And in the answer, he says, since the fall, no mere human, okay, so that's more or less talking about you and me, not Jesus, no mere human has been able to keep the law of God perfectly, but consistently breaks it in thought, word, and indeed, just look at a couple of these passages here. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have all together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. And he goes on and on. And then Romans 5, just to turn over one page if you even have to turn over. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through 19 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, okay, just that's Adam, okay? Through Adam, man's, that, man, that one man sin entered into the world and death through sin. Okay, because that was the condition. If you sin, you will bring death upon yourself. And death through sin. Um, and thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned. So in that we can see the, the connection here. It's not just that we've all broken the one law that Adam had. No. We have sin inherently passed down through the generational lines. So that's the original sin of man that basically assures us that we will sin. And then we sin... And we are there doubly responsible for sin. So verse 13, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who was a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense, for if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Two more verses. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many were made righteous. And who is that one man through whom we were made righteous? Through his act of obedience, through his sacrifice on the cross, we are all given that hope of eternal life. We have a new covenant. Adam (laughs) condemned us all to death with his one act. And through the one act of Jesus, we are all commended 
to God through the gift, if we will accept that gift. So can anyone keep the law of God perfectly? No, not us. And next week we will talk more about the justification part of this. But what we see here is there's a law. The law was broken. Nobody can perfectly keep the law. Therefore, no man can be justified in the sight of God on his own accord. Therefore, we need somebody to come alongside of us and provide us with justification. In order to do that, he must have been above the law, greater than the law. And we only know of one who could do that, God himself, because there is nobody who is outside the law except God. So it was of necessity that God come down to us in human form and provide a way to righteousness. There was no other way. And next week we'll talk more about the justification side of these through catechism.